Okay, friends, I hope you got a coffee. I'm going to invite you to return to your seats. It's good to see you. It's good to be together. It's good to catch up. Let's go to our God together in prayer. Lord, we have, we've been singing about your faithfulness. May we continue that even now. We name silently before you now the situations in which we face where maybe we can't see a way forward. You're faithful in that situation. And you will be faithful. Thank you that you are for your people. Thank you that you are committed to your people and that your commitment level is so much higher than ours. You have a wedding ring you never take off. You have a wedding ring you never forget about. In fact, it looks like three scars, four scars, hands and feet. Thank you that your commitment level exceeds ours. Thank you that you loved us before we ever loved you. That your faithfulness isn't contingent on our love. Thank you, Lord, for who you are, that you share yourself with us, that you invite us to know you more. Thank you that you are being faithful at the moment in the room. That we are not here in a classroom where we are here engaging in a relationship. That as much as we talk about you, you are also here with us. We talk about one who is in the room. We talk about one who is not disengaged but more engaged than we are. Leaning forward and entering into conversation at work in hearts and minds, in bodies, in circumstances. You are faithful. Thank you. Lord, I I pray special levels of faithfulness and favor over students that we have recently said goodbye to. But like Sam and Anna, Kate and Dallas, people out on their own for the first time, Lord, I I pray that their testimony would be a testimony of your ongoing faithfulness as one who is present and providing. 
just as we ask that you would be obviously present and actively in charge here in the moment, would you also be that in their lives? I pray that when we see them next, we will hear testimonies of your goodness and your faithfulness and your favor in their lives. Lord, we come to your word and before we have even read it, we say thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for that you are the God who speaks. You are the God who engages. Thank you for giving us your word. Lord, may your word bring life. May your spirit bring life. May we enter into the life that you are inviting us into. Have your way through this time. We offer it to you. This is our ongoing act of worship. We are not singing at the moment, but our attention on you is our worship. Our our respect and the ways that we honor your word are our worship. Our readiness to respond, that's our worship. We expect you to be faithful here this morning because that's who you are and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you might know or might remember um, Glenn Fretz, who sojourned with Unity uh, a number of years back for eight months or a year, something like that, he and his wife, Shirley. Um, Glenn recently passed away, and I was at his funeral. And um, at the funeral, someone told, told this story about Glenn. Now, what you have to know about Glenn in order to understand the story is, Glenn was a pastor. He was a, um, a pastor for his working life. And then he was a pastor even in his retirement as well. Glenn was the pastor of Oriel Park Church um, before it eventually became Crossroads. Um, Glenn was the pastor that at that church saw the church grow from just a, a couple hundred to, he, he was the one that actually had that vision that it, it, it grow to become like a thousand or something like that. And then, of course, the, the next leadership took it even further. And um, the, the city has been blessed because of the way that God used Glenn Fretz. Um, and you know, we are a different church, but I, I have a lot of respect for what goes on at Crossroads and the ministries that they, they run there. I, I, I bless them. Some of them are my friends. Um, so I, I'm really grateful. Uh, I think they do good work in the city. Um, and so much of that actually had to do with the way that God worked in Glenn's life and the way that God spoke to Glenn. Um, he, he was a good man, uh, someone who knew the voice of God and, and walked with Jesus. Uh, Glenn, after he retired, uh, went on to work. Well, actually, when he retired, um, someone had approached him. He had a real heart for the, the Philippines, the Filipino people. 
Um, I think there had been missionary work that had been done in the Philippines that he was a part of at one point, and so they, they just had a particular connection to them. And someone from there had reached out to him for help. And uh, he said, to be honest, all of my, all of my tithes are spoken for. Uh, you know, I'm on a fixed income now. I, I don't have extra to give. But what I will do, I believe the need was something like a, a home for orphans, something like that. Like it, it was a pretty big ask. He said, what I will commit to doing is I will go out and get a job. He just retired. He said, I will go out and get a job and everything I bring in, I will donate and send down there. That, that, that's the kind of man that this guy was, uh, who had a heart for people, who had a heart to see God's work come in people's lives and to show his love in really tangible ways. This is a guy who had a heart for people and, and his work and the way that he served the Lord has lasted in many, many ways. It, it's quite a legacy, actually. And, you know, the funny thing was at his funeral, um, the the gentleman who did his funeral, I, I believe they'd worked together for quite a number of years and maintained a friendship even after that. And I believe Glenn had asked this guy to do his funeral in advance. But anyway, the, the, this, this other gentleman tells the story of one time getting together with Glenn after Glenn himself had been to someone else's funeral. And he said the two of them got down, uh, sat down for coffee and Glenn was like visibly upset having just come from this funeral And he said to the guy who would then do his funeral across the coffee table, when I die, don't talk about what I've done. Talk about where I am. Funerals have so much become about checkers at times. And Glenn didn't want any part of that, as much as so much of what Glenn did was actually chess and lasted. For those of you who don't know that, remember that analogy? Checkers is just the stuff you can see. It's all the stuff that the world is after. Chess is about what God is involved in. It's the kingdom stuff. And Glenn said, I don't want you to talk about even the kingdom stuff that I did. Talk about where I am because it's not about me talk about where I am. It's about Jesus. And he didn't mean by that simply heaven or mansions or my father's house. It's even more specific than that. And that's what we are going to get to here in the scriptures. Would you open your scriptures to John 14, please? And I want to, I want you to look for where Glenn is in this passage, okay? Jesus says, beginning in verse one of John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you? Or I would have told you because I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I am coming again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you also will be. And you know the way that I am going. 
And Thomas, misunderstanding all of this, says to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How how are we going to know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the word of the Lord. Indeed. Before we get to where Glenn is, let's talk about where where this passage comes from. Who's Jesus speaking this to? What's the context? He's in the upper room, right? They've just had communion. He's just washed feet. But more specifically, he's just told the disciples that they're going to betray him. And even more specifically than that, he's just told Peter that he, Peter himself is about to betray Jesus. That's quite a revelation. This is the guy that you've publicly committed to. You've, you've been around him for three years. And, he's, and, and you've just made this declaration, just like, Jesus, I'm following you to the ends of the earth. Everyone else falls away, not me. And Jesus gets a word of knowledge from the Spirit and says, no, you're actually going to deny me three times in a couple of hours. And Peter is about to go out and make a string of mistakes. Heavy ones. Did you have a string of mistakes this week? Could you look back on some instances in your life and go, I really wish I hadn't said that. I really wish I hadn't done that because it led to this and I've been reaping the consequences of it. Can you look back and go, yeah, my life hasn't been uh, always up and to the right and it's often been because of the choices that I made. Do you have a string of mistakes? And where in your mistakes, what you are actually doing was pretending that Jesus doesn't exist or ignoring the fact that he does? Could you put your name beside that description? Because Jesus' words to the people who are humble enough to admit that we can put our names next to that description of a string of mistakes in our lives and a whole lives and a whole list of things that we regret, Jesus' first words to that person are his first words to the guy that he just told is about to deny him, and it's Do not let your hearts be troubled. Who here needs to receive that this morning? Do not let your hearts be troubled. Because it isn't about your performance, my friends. You did not establish this relationship with Jesus. He established it with you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Stop letting the voices of the accusations of the enemy and the lies that you tell yourself about your own performance and your own goodness drown out what Jesus says, which is do not let your hearts be troubled, my friends. Jesus is fully aware that you have and will once again at times betray him in word or in deed, and his words to you are do not let your hearts be troubled my friends, because he has already seen that and named it and looked past it 
and said, I have prepared for you and I to continue an ongoing relationship from here on out. In my father's house are many mansions, he says, and I'm going to make sure you're there. And you're not going to be there because you presented Jesus with a report card that was straight A's in your moral behavior. Could you let yourselves off the hook for a moment and say the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is bigger than my flaws, is bigger than my faults? It is there for you, my friends. Grace that is greater than all our sins, we sing. It's right here. Denied three times, and Jesus' first words to him are, do not let your hearts be troubled. You are about to betray me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. He's bigger than it. Friends, I offer you hope this morning. Whatever your week looked like, whatever you're currently caught in, Jesus is here for you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. What Jesus did was offer Peter hope that as much as Peter was about to fail again in absolutely epic ways, Jesus was going to make sure that they were going to continue that relationship forever. Look at the scripture. I am going to prepare a place for you, and I am coming again, and I will take you to myself so that where I am, there you will be also. Peter's denial was not going to be enough to cut off the relationship with Jesus. Jesus had already decided that. I'm about to take you to myself, he says. I was, I was reading this in Greek and, and looking up some of the words, and when it says that I'm going to take you to be with me, um, it's not simply the word bring, as though uh, I were to sort of drag a wagon behind me, as though Jesus is sort of dragging people along to be with him at some point. It's a little bit more like if I had picked up Rosalind and brought her with me. It's a little closer. And then, of course, Jesus emphasizes by that, that by saying, I'm taking you to be with me. I'm not simply taking you to a good room. In my father's house are many rooms. It's in my father's house. I'm going to be in my father's house, and I'm going to make sure that you come with me and that we, we along the journey and then in that place are in close proximity. We're going to be tight. That's the invitation Jesus is offering you today. And that's the invitation that he's offering to the people who have a string of mistakes and a really bad moral report card this week. To you, that's the grace that he is offering. That's how good this Jesus is. It's for you, my friends. We emphasized this last week. I'm going to do it one more time. 
In John 1.18, it says that Jesus, prior to coming and being born as the Word, the Son, was in the arms of the Father, or depending on the, the, the translation, it'll say the arms or in the chest or in the heart of the Father, and he is the one who has made him known. Jesus has made the Father known because he has been in as close proximity as you can possibly be to the Father. And then it says that John, it uses that same word. It says John, the disciple, had that level of relationship and proximity to Jesus in this discussion, at this dialogue, in um, 13 verse 23. John, the disciple, was laying back on Jesus' chest. It's the same word in Greek. Just where, where Jesus was with the Father, John gets to be currently with Jesus. What Jesus is going to do is bring everyone into close proximity in my Father's house or many mansions. I'm going to make sure that you are with me there and we're going to be tight. But John gets to experience that now. In other words, John gets the future in the present. Because that's a future available in the present to those who draw near to Jesus. This is available for you. That's the relationship that he invites you into. It's not that simply there is hope for us one day. It's that by offering us that hope one day, Jesus makes it available here and now. Draw near. And it's not based on your moral report card. It is a future available now for failures. But Jesus isn't simply the destination. It's not simply where are we going to get to. Right? What does verse 6 say? It's not simply where we are going. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is not simply the end point. He's the way to get there. And what we need to come to grasp is the fact that if we don't get him here, we won't find him at the end point. Did you follow me? He's the way. We're not going to find Jesus in his father's house which he has offered us if we do not take him up on the invitation of joining him on the way. He's the way. If we don't have him now, we will not have him then. See, this isn't about tickets. It's not about a ticket to heaven. Because the way and the truth and the life are a person. It's do you know him now? Not know about him. Do we know him personally right now? Because the way and the truth and the life are a person. The way is a relationship. Would you pause for a moment? Would you close your eyes?
Some of you need to come find the way. Some of you haven't yet met the way. Some of you know about the way, but have not met the way. And here's an opportunity. If you haven't met the way, talk to him now. Jesus, I believe you're the way. I've known it, but I haven't engaged. I want to know the way. Take me on your way. Lead me in your paths of truth. Give me your life. Because I acknowledge that every other way that isn't you isn't a way. It's a maze. And everything out there that isn't truth is a lie and it leads to death. And I'm choosing you as the way. Friends, it's also for those who are on the way. So pause for a moment and ask the Lord to reveal where you have been troubled lately and how Jesus is the way. So many people are troubled in checkers, but checkers has no solutions. Lord, I invite you. We, we offer you this moment to speak to us about the ways that we have lost the way. And Lord, we invite you to speak your life, truth, and your way back in by refocusing us on Jesus. Would you do that now?
Lord, I pray for my brothers, brothers and sisters right now as, as we are perhaps reminded of what we have been struggling with. May, we, may you raise up our eyes that we might see Jesus. That we might, we might play chess. We might fix our eyes on Jesus. We might focus not on the things that are seen, but what are unseen, because what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. Lord, would you raise our eyes to the perspective of the eternal that that might be what guides us. Take us on the way again, Lord. Be the way again, Bless my brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me tell you a story. I have Chantel's permission to, to share this. Um, a couple of years ago, it was, pretty, it was a pretty challenging time at home for us. Um, for those of you that don't know our story really well, um, our, our son Marcus started seeing angels and demons with his eyes, like, roughly two years ago, and it created huge amounts of, like, pressure and stress in our life. In the meantime, God's beginning to speak to more and more people in the congregation in ways we're not used to, and we're trying to figure out how do we manage all of this. In the middle of that, we're we're going through COVID. In in the middle of that, um, I'm, I'm learning this stuff, and I'd really hurt some people with what I had shared with them, and I had to go and make that right. It was a, we, we reconciled, but it was a terribly painful process. In the middle of all of that, Rosalind isn't sleeping at all, to the point where we were actually laying on her floor at night while she was sleeping in her crib, and we'd be like sticking our finger up, and she'd be holding our hands. We'd be laying there for hours at times, trying to get this child to sleep, and she would wake up, she wouldn't and we weren't there, and we'd have to start this crazy train all over again. It was, a, it was an incredibly stressful time. Um, Chantel was struggling with some of the things that were happening, partly because they were new and unfamiliar, and there were some things that, as she shared a number of weeks back, God had to do some work there, but also be, she was struggling because I, was, I wasn't handling it well, and I wasn't reacting well. There was just, there was this terrible mixture of all of this stuff going on. And I I was under an incredible amount of pressure. I felt like, and part of it was completely undue, part of it was simply the maturing process as God works. Um, The only way to grow is by entering into that. You don't go into a classroom to learn this stuff in some sort of sanitized laboratory. You're learning it on the fly as you're going. But it was really hard, really hard. It was creating sort of some relational tension between us um, um, that we just just took time to work out. But anyway, there's, there's all of that stuff going on, and I can remember just being so overcome by it, by it all, and I just, in desperation, said to the Lord one day, what do I most need to hear right now? Because I'm feeling so much weight. And you know what the answer was? I am the way and the truth, and the life. 
which fixed absolutely nothing I just mentioned to you. Seriously. Not a thing. Roz didn't start sleeping any better. We were still dealing with some relational tensions. I was still not doing a great job of balancing, hearing something and weighing something, and we're constantly reacting. But it was the answer. It wasn't the answer I wanted. But it didn't make it any less true. I was looking for checker solutions, and God was saying, fix your eyes on what is unseen here, and this stuff I will work out. As you once again recognize I'm the way, it's a relationship with Jesus that is the answer. It doesn't, it's not the solution to every single problem that we bring, as though you can simply draw a line between one thing and the next, but he is the way, and he is the truth, and he is the life. And the more that we embraced that, the more that some of this other stuff started to sort out over time. But when we, we so often quote this verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life, as though um, this is simply for an unbeliever and simply as though um, we're, we're just emphasizing sort of Jesus is the only way to God in, in contrast to all of the other ways. That's true. But the implication of Jesus being the way is that we are joining him on that journey and that he will work out all of those other things in the process. And even if they don't work out the way that we want them to, we will still enter into that process of joining him on the way because we trust him. Not because we trust the solutions that we can see to all of the problems that we name. He's the way, friends. He's the way. Do, Do we believe that? Will we enter into that Will we, will we let Jesus as the way redefine everything below? That's my prayer for us. The answer isn't in checkers. Right? Because the answer is a person. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, once again, we invite you in as the answer. We invite you in as the way. We invite you in and join you in your life. We join you as the truth on a journey where we can't always see the path forward but we're with the way. Lord, I pray that Jesus as way and truth and life would be birthed anew in us, in each one of us. That our confidence would not be in our circumstances, that our confidence would not be in 
uh, the people who are with us or or that our confidence would not be in our bank accounts or that our confidence would not be in uh, a stable world. That our confidence would instead be found in the person who is the way. We sang at the beginning, Lord, about how you are faithful one. Our confidence is in the one who is more faithful than we are. Lord, I thank you. Thank you that you make a way because you are the way. Thank you that Glenn had that confidence and said, talk about where I am because he's with you. Thank you that Jesus said, I am coming back and I will take you to be with me, that where I am, there you would be also. Thank you that that starts now. Guide us on the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if anyone would like prayer, you're welcome to come on up afterwards. Always happy to pray for anyone. Go now in peace to love and serve the Lord. May the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit carry you through this week. Every blessing to you, my friends. Have a great week.